Welcome to the Meditation Podcast. This episode was actually taken from the Awakening Podcast. And because we've covered a lot on meditation, breathwork, and awareness that I've included today in this. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Welcome to the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. I'm also on BitChute. And I've got four other podcasts and I'm a podcasting coach and you'll find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. Today, please welcome my guest, Bo Bissett. Hi, Roy. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm very well. So I suppose you might, I know you've, you've, you've created a ammo knee, but you might just introduce yourself. Who's Bo? Yeah. ammo is a multidisciplinary healing system that I created in response to my own self-sabotaging that I did for almost 40 years. And I tried everything I could get my hands on. I tried meditating and Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza and obscure healing techniques over here. And I'm in Taiwan, so over here. Uh, I've read books and tried mantras and affirmations and just nothing, man. Nothing, Nothing turned the needle for me. Nothing changed my perspective never got to the to the to the beliefs that i was that i was carrying that were limiting me from experiencing um not just an abundant life but a, a it's just what i would call just a normal life i was always just kicking myself in the in it kicking myself while i was down and it was uh i went through this system that was uh created by this australian guy um, it's called the spiral and that's when things clicked for me and I a lot of what I was dealing with changed almost immediately when I started doing the, the work that I'm doing now and just I had a physical immediate physical response uh, just cried tears of uh, joy and also disappointment in myself because I, I, I realized as, as I started doing this work that like I was my own problem. Like I was the one who had put myself in, in those shoes. Right. And so, yeah. And then from once I started doing this work, it just started my life changed and it started changing pretty rapidly. And so I'm on I'm a Spanish means I love me and Chinese means you. Um, and together, obviously it means I love you. And that's the goal that I want when I work with people to have them be able to have that same epiphany, right? To have, for them to look in the mirror and to be able to say that I love you to themselves and, and actually mean it. Uh, we use muscle testing, kinesiology, a meridian, uh, meridian chart to tag the emotions that we find with uh, muscle testing in the, around the body. Uh, and then we use an ama, an, uh, the AMO breath, uh, which is a breath that I created. Uh, it's a, a three-part breath that uh, uses visualization and also uh, humming, uh, which stimulates the vagus nerves, sinking the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Uh, and then we use our neurolinguistic programming at the end of each session to help uh, grease the wheels of intention and push the individual further down their path of uh, their hopes and dreams. That's what it, uh, yeah, that's what it is. Excellent. So what I'd like to, because I'd like to touch on all them things, but I'd like to kind of go back first and go through your journey. And mainly mm-hmm. it's kind of because sometimes when people hear a story, it triggers something in them or they'll think of somebody that 
they can relate to, which in turn then can see the solution. I got you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I grew up as a, I mean, a normal, I thought, well, I thought I was a pretty normal kid and a normal family. I was, grew up in a small town in America. Um, I did have a lot of, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger as a child. Um, that started manifesting as uh, like injuries when I was really young. Uh, like anger. I played a lot of sports. My dad, my father was a, uh, played uh, golf in university, and then my grandfather played. I think one year of professional baseball, like way, way back in the day. So sports was always a big part of my life. And but yet, from an early age, I was always getting hurt, spraining ankles, breaking ankles. And then when I was fifteen, I blew out my knee, just completely blew out my knee. And was it, was the sport pushed on you or was it something that you actually wanted to do? Because sometimes that can nah. happen with parents as well. They'll push, you know, against their own wishes. Yeah. Well, my dad did push, push sports on me, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed sport. And he like, he let me, he made sure that I tried like different sports. And he was like, you know, just give it a try, you know, get out there and play around. And, you know, so there were some sports I didn't enjoy, but like I, I had no problem or he had no problem after I tried and didn't like it. He was like, all right, you did a season. All right. You don't want to do that anymore. That's cool. But my, one of the biggest things, the anger when I was a, when I was a kid, and then also when I was twelve, my parents divorced. And when when they sat my brother and I down to tell us that they were getting a divorce, like I said, I grew up in a small town, and like I, I didn't know anybody. That, I knew what divorce meant, but I didn't know like uh, any. I didn't have any friends or families that had been through that, right? So my, my parents told me, and my initial reaction was, I got up out of the out of the sea that I was in and just ran out of the house and just ran away, and I went back home later that night. Uh, just because I was hungry, right? And I was a 12-year-old kid and I didn't know what else to do. But that was my pattern, just running. And I ran using drugs. I ran using alcohol. And then uh, later on in my 20s, um, I, I just basically packed up and left America. Um, just started bouncing around uh, the world teaching English and um, using drugs and alcohol just to completely uh, crush myself. I, mean, I got two accidents. When I, was in when I was 19, I was in a drunk driving car accident. It was a single single car accident was my fault. I ran off the road going like hundred miles an hour, went through a telephone pole. I woke up the next morning in intensive care. And then two years later, I did the same thing. And it's just ridiculous, man. And I was just like, I was just beating myself and self-sabotaging myself every way I could financially, uh, with, uh, with partners, you know, with women, um, you know, I'd find a nice, a nice girl and then just run away from her, you know? And I did that in, you know, in Spain, I did that in Vietnam, I did that in Taiwan, I did that in Mexico, I just like, I did that in the Czech Republic, it's just like everywhere. And, you know, that just ran and ran and ran and it finally caught up to me in my late 30s. Um, I was in Vietnam at the time, just drinking, just profusely. And uh, I lost everything. I called my brother and I was like, man, I need some help. And he helped me uh, get back to the States. Uh, I got on a bicycle. Rode across the country because I thought maybe I could turn my writing into something like a blog and do some travel writing. That didn't work. So I ended up back with my aunt and uncle. Um, they were helping me get back on my feet. And my aunt told me, uh, she came in one day as I was you know, doing some work and told me that uh, she had breast cancer. And right then I just like, I looked in the, uh, the next, over the next couple of days, I just kind of looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, dude, you know, here's somebody that's done, well, you know, done all the things right, you know, and she's got breast cancer. And here you are just completely like, uh, 
you're just ruining you're driving yourself into the ground like get it together and so that was my that was my spark to stop drinking um and that's just from there i started reading and doing everything i could but it was just like like i said earlier man just nothing was pushing it nothing was like materializing for me it was just was this the frustration was there the the anger was still there like um you know i would meditate you know and i'd be fine while i was sitting in the chair right but as soon as i got up and you know life started happening like wow you know lose it again so with this work i finally figured out you know that the emotions the emotions that we program as kids like those are the that that's that's it that was where me my answer was in fact the first book that I, one of the first books that i read when i first started this journey was called molecules of emotion it was written by a female doctor she's like a prominent doctor like neurophysicist or something like that but it really what really caught my attention was that our emotions affect us on a molecular level. And I was like, Oh man. So that's my key. You know, it took me like, I don't know, probably six or seven years later until, you know, all the pieces fell into, into uh, place. Um, but yeah, that was, that definitely, that book definitely resonated with me. And, um, when I did finally find the work that I'm doing now, it was like, uh, yeah, I was like, ah, I knew it. That was it. <laughs> so. I, I think it's the journey as well, because you know we're always searching for. You just know when something is right, and mm-hmm. you know the fact that you just tried all these things, you know Tony Robbins and all the different ones. And, yeah, some work for some people, but like I, I say that the the memory of pain, you know pain poisons us, and it's deep within, and sometimes it's squashed. And I think like I I have seen that with say the breath work how somebody they release a trauma and you're you're looking at them you know if you're in a facilitated event and like they're seriously breaking no but then afterwards it's like they've got it they've you know they're kind of free from something they didn't even realize that was deep within them mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's amazing man it's really like when i went through this world when i when i uh when i first went through this um i'm i'm about let's see you're in part Let's see, I'm about 178 centimeters and about 70, right now about 78 kgs, right? And when I finished, when I finished going through this work, it was, about, it was a seven-week course, and when I went through it, I was uh, 68 kgs. And, like, I'm not somebody that should lose 10 kgs. I'm not somebody that should lose five kgs, right? So, and it was just like, my body was just, you know, the, the word embody, right? So we embody emotions. We actually like physically take emotions on and like hold them into our body. And, and as I was releasing them, it was like my body was shedding those emotions and the physical matter that those emotions were attached to. And like I had, it was a literal, you know, physical, emotional, psychological transformation. So it's just amazing, just amazing to connect with to connect with those emotions that I had used to, to dictate, you know, how I was leading my life. Right. It's, you know, and that's the, the scary part is that, you know, our subconscious is there to, to look after us. You know, it's, it runs all the behind the scenes things like keeping our heart rate going, our heart going and lungs pumping and hormones going and all that stuff. But at the same point, like, you know, 
uh, it's also there grabbing, like grabbing onto these emotions and our reactions to our exterior world. So, you know, next time a similar instance happens, it could just cue that emotion without having to, you know, stress the system and, you know, worry about, you know, they can just go with what, what the first response was. And so by doing that, in the name of efficiency, it's actually, it limits us to that, you know, to that first programmed, you know, emotion. And so, you know, decades later, you know, we're still, you know, we don't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or because, you know, the dog barked at us and scared us while we were eating when we were five years old, right? Or we'd have a problem with money because, uh, you know, dad came home, you know, upset about something, whatever. I mean, there are millions of different, you know, possibilities for how these things uh, or how these emotions get programmed and embodied. But yeah, the fact is like in our adulthood, we're actually being steered in the decisions we make by, by a child, you know, by our own child and the experiences as a child. So it's like uh, I, I think it's like being when you're in a carrier in the back seat and it's just can go in any direction and then when you go through the transition then you become the driver and you know yeah, where you're exactly. going yeah yeah i felt lost for so long just so so lost and and just and frustrated you know and you see that's the thing that i realized with through this work is that the frustration is key the frustration is our salvation because the way you know, we were talking about the subconscious and conscious earlier, right? I was so frustrated because, you know, I had, you know, I had friends and, and family that were, they were doing well, you know, they had, they had good jobs and they were like taking care of themselves. And, you know, I wanted the same thing, you know, consciously, I'll imagine two different gears, right? And your top gear, you got your conscious intentions, like what you want, right? And then your subconscious uh, as the, the bottom gear. So I know that you're programmed, you're programmed uh, emotions of your subconscious, right? So the first frustration that we feel is when those two gears are grinding against each other, right? You want this, but your subconscious is like, eh, no, sorry, you want to lose weight, but it's like, oh, no, or you want to stop drinking. Uh, no, you want to make money. You want to start a business, but it's like, no. And that frustration, I found that, you know, when, when you are frustrated, it's like, ding, that's the light. That's where we need to go after there's the, the emotions there that we need to take care of, we need to connect with, we need to appreciate and then move. And then you know, that uh, frees up the space for you to step into uh, a new potential. Uh, with the NLP then, like how are you combining all the kind of breathwork, the whole lot? So I suppose let's look at somebody that has a problem. How would you kind of, because I'm just conscious of the audience and everybody mm-hmm. knows something like, I mean, it's especially yeah, yeah. in the last two years with this pandemic, it's like, you know, everybody's experienced even more trauma in the house, you know, fights oh, over money, losing jobs, relationships. So like, what's the best kind of process to kind of go through? I know okay. it's not an overnight success. Of course, it's a slow journey. No, no. Well, the thing is like uh, the process that I take people through is an eight week process. And it, we work up, we go chakra by chakra. We focus on the heaviest emotions in each chakra. So for example, what we'll do is uh, we'll test uh, around, so for the first example, for the first uh, chakra, we'll go through shame um, and guilt. And so we'll look for the emotions that the individual has attached to that's anchored uh, in their uh, body, in their first chakra and around their body to shame. 
the instances that happen and we can use we use muscle testing to do that and then we also look for the ages where where that happened right so we do the the sometimes i use the first three ages but uh depending on how old the person is like we'll, we'll, we'll go we'll do even we'll find even more emotions um and also depends on like the trauma the trauma as well and what what we find but yeah, we go through and we find those emotions and the ages that they uh, that they occur, and then we connect with them. We connect with them uh, on a mental level. We go back and we look at for for any memories that are associated with that trauma at that at that age. And I like like how you brought up trauma too, because uh, one thing I want to point out, if you're listening, is that you know a lot of people see trauma as like. Uh, what I was talking about earlier, like a, one of my car accidents or something like that, right? Well, a trauma could be all a tra- trauma is an emotional response, right? So it can be as 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 uh, small as your uh, your mom looking at you wrong, or you know, fussing at you for you know taking a candy bar off the shelf at the supermarket, uh, or it can be like I don't know if you're two years old and a butterfly lands on your shoulder and freaks you out. I mean, it can be anything like that, right? Trauma is just an emotional response to your reaction to that uh to that stimuli so yeah so we connect with it on a uh connect with the trauma that we find on a, uh if there's any memories there and if it's not it helps but it's not necessary then what i have an individual do is we'll go through uh, and we'll scan the body to find out where where they feel that emotion that we find that was attached to shame. Sometimes it's shame, sometimes it's anger, whatever it is, but we find it, I have them explore, close their eyes and, close, and, and explore their body and find out where, where that, uh, that emotion is stored. Uh, and then we use the, the meridian chart. There's, uh, there are specific release points on their body that are connected to the meridians where we find the emotions. And so we use that release point along with that ama breath, that three-part breath that I told you about to move the emotion and when that happens it can be uh it's very pun and pun not attended but it can be a very moving experience because that's we've connected on a, in a memory um and then physically as well and then uh, we move it with the with the breath and it's just uh yeah it's nice to you know when when an individual does connect with it and then and realizes like you know that emotion like I put it there, you know, I'm responsible for it being there, but I'm also responsible for it leaving now. So, and the thing is like, you know, it's not something when we do find these emotions, it's not something to beat yourself up, like beat yourself up over. Like, uh, I kind of did that when I, when I, when I had this first epiphany, I was like, Oh my God, I've been doing this all, you know, I've been doing this to myself. I've, I've been limiting myself and self-sabotaging myself. Like, almost literally trying to kill myself you know, for decades, right? But the thing is like these, these emotions that we programmed and that, that we use to dictate how our, how our lives unfold, they have, they've created the person that we are, right? So in a way we have to say, you know, well, I am this way, because I am the way I am because of the things, the decisions I've made, which are based on the emotions that I've embodied, that I've anchored. So in a way, I have to thank, you know, that emotion and, and my subconscious for, uh, for helping, for molding me in that way. And now I can use the experience that I've gained from those experiences 
and move forward with the knowledge that now I can make choices on my own. Because that's one of the most beautiful parts of this work is that, or any, any work where you experience these epiphanies or self-awareness. And for me, self-awareness is like conscious recognition of the thoughts, words, deeds, uh, emotions, and energy that you're giving off that are that you're using to affect the relationships in your life, right? So once you, once you have that awareness, you're like, whoa, okay, I've been doing this. So now I know I can keep doing this and I can keep getting the same results. Or now I can choose something different and see what that leads me. And yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, that is so freeing because it's the, yeah, now you have and choice have a choice you can make it now without being you know guided without that that gear you know without being the, having that frustration from the subconscious and conscious uh progress um, like I, I went through losing kind of everything you know losing my own houses and lots of businesses and everything and i was um, kind of i was kind of the pain was kind of about all the ones that had fraudulently done stuff to me and as soon as I let it go, I, I got that through kind of a six-stage meditation process. And it was like the act of forgiving. And you just forgive yeah. them. And then I just go through the journey of, like, what was their journey? You know, why did they become who they are? Like, you know, because you've like the unconditional love for a baby. But somebody obviously influenced them to make them become who they were. Mm-hmm. And then would you hate the baby? No, of course not. So, and by just doing that, it just freed me. And it just, it, everything after that was great. That's awesome, man. How long, uh, how long did it take you to move through that, uh, that process of forgiveness? And, and... It, it was a, maybe two years, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Year, maybe a year. Nice. Like I, I, went, I started doing the meditation and it definitely helped me. And then, it, I don't know, I, I would think maybe a year or two. And like, because there's some that you start forgiving, but the big ones, it yeah. took a bit, it they took take a bit. work right yeah they take work and now it's like not and then also the thing i say to people as well is like sometimes when people are telling the story like i can tell any of the stories of the things that happened and it doesn't affect me but some people yeah. relive it and they oh, go exactly, back into right? the zone and I, I i say you need to kind of come to terms with it yourself before you start sharing it around because you're really hurting yourself and it's like you know you said at the start to love yourself and just have forgiveness and everything once you get to that you no longer go through that you know the poor me kind of thing because then you're getting the information and the support from the people that you're telling the story for and you're just going in a vicious circle and you never get out of it yeah exactly i was i was myself i was stuck in that cycle of just like and i didn't think so you know i was just like you know these things had happened to me and i was like you know i would tell the story but like you know looking back on it and like man i i used to like i'd feed off that story you know and feed off the pain that i'd suffered and the pain i wore that pain and like the suffering and like a badge of honor right and then once you lose you know once you leave you know once you uh, let it go it's like yeah it's just something happened but you know that's me like you know that's just what happened you know it's not it's not who i am anymore so it's cool man Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think you become bulletproof after that. It's like you go through some, uh, you know, you just, you, t- you just look at the world differently. You know, you don't yeah, think totally, so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And with what you're doing then, is it only kind of in situ or can, can it be done online? Like when you're with dealing with people? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can do a lot. Yeah. Totally do online. So one of the first things uh, I started working with an individual um, and, when I started doing this on my own, I started working with a lady and she was up and I'm in the South of Taiwan and 
the second largest city in the country called Kaohsiung. And the woman I was working with was up in Taipei. And so we were doing online work. And then uh, there were some issues with internet. So at the, I think it's one of the, one of the last sessions that we did, we actually did over the phone. We were, we started a zoom meeting, but then the connection was so bad. I was like, let me call you, let's see if this works. And we went through the same thing. And, you know, what I found through that was that, you know, the separation that we experience in life is like created by our, like we create the separation, right? Because everything is energy and we're all connected and, uh, if there's separation, it's because we have created it ourselves. So we have the power, power to connect with uh, each other uh, from here to the moon. So, and that's uh, it's a pretty, that's uh, just really amazing. It's amazing how, it's amazing how we're, you know, in this world that we're in now, you know, post COVID, even like during the whole COVID thing, like people are waking up and, you know, they're really, uh, getting exposed to a lot of different methods of healing and awakening. And that's obviously, you know, a few years ago, I might have looked at things, you know, even before I you know, found this work, I was, I was kind of down on things and down on the world and how, you know, how all the wars and this and that and all, you know, the global warming and how we're going to hell in a handbasket. But, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of there's a lot more reasons to be hopeful that, uh, about things than there are to you know kind of for lack of a better word crap on everything right it's just uh, I, I think that's that's kind of it's important to touch on because I mean I just know it from a lot of the people that are fighting the fight with this exposing stuff and a lot of them get very down on it I don't do that I don't let it come into me you know mm. it is what it is and the thing is we're the media is so controlled that all we hear and see is negativity. And like people don't even realize every hour on you're listening to the radio, they have to put on five or seven minutes of negativity. Like oh. what is doing that doing to your head? And when you turn that off, know, when right? you don't listen to yeah. it, then you start seeing the amount of beautiful things happening in the world. And exactly. And you just don't let the fear get, get to you. Exactly. I love that. That's a, that's a really good point. I stopped listening or watching the news, um, or like even checking online news or anything, probably about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And it wasn't until recently that, and after after that, I just was, I've always been a big sports fan. So ESPN was like my daily check-in, right? I'll see what's going on with football and basketball and soccer and like everything, right? You know, the sports, I wanted to know what was going on. But then it was funny, like about a year ago, I started looking at, you know, what I was uh, reading on ESPN. And I was like, I was like, dude, this is one big like soap opera. And like, you know, even uh, with the sports, like all they want to do is inject like this person said this to this person. Right. You know, this person is in trouble for doing this. This part like it's, you know, and it's even in sports, they make it negative. So, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I watched, I checked in recently with the NBA playoffs just to see what was going on. And then during the Super Bowl, you know, I was checking in, but like my daily check-in with ESPN is I'm, I'm finished with it. I remember, I, I, I don't know when it was, but I, I was in, in the States and I had to fly from New York to Chicago or to, uh, 
San Francisco, around that area. Mm-hmm. And on the plane, there was like CNN, and you couldn't turn it off. And it's like, you have children looking at this, and the same in the house. Like, I make sure, my youngest child, he's eight. It's like, I don't allow the radio on. I don't want him to see that. And it's like, mm. most people don't. They're Like, we're talking, really, of what's this going into your cells at a very young age. Like, mm-hmm. even now, they're talking, they're telling the kids, wear a mask, you know, get jabbed. There's this, there's that. And they're terrified. And then they're talking about the war. Like, a child of five and seven are conscious of all this stuff. No, like mm-hmm. that is serious, serious problems for the future. Like exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that's what we were talking about earlier, right? It's like you know, it doesn't like these things, these traumatic things that happen to us. You know, we don't even have to be aware of it, right? Our subconscious is just like at that age, just like sucking things in like a like a vacuum cleaner, right? So, you know, the kid might be playing like Legos and over, you know, they might not, you know, consciously, you know, acknowledge, you know, somebody getting shot on the news or something like that, but like, boom, subconscious does. So, no, exactly. And I mean, all the stuff that you see on the, on the television now, like, I mean, I was even seeing that years ago. I've seen, if I curse, people freak out. And to me, it's nothing. In Ireland, it's like a form of endearment. It's just nobody takes offense to it. But right. yet, I can see somebody getting decapitated. I can see somebody half naked gyrating on the stage yeah. and, and war and everything. And that's all cool. You know, know. Like the whole lot is conditioned. And people, like, like, even if you look at all the games for the children, all war games and everything, and people are happy, let their children off. They're not disturbing them. You know, you, you, like, you're disturbing them in a a different way. Yeah, we have to look deep within ourselves, but also there's a sponge next to us, and you have to make sure is, am I putting clean water into that sponge or dirty water? And if you look around, 95 or plus percent, it's dirty water going into that sponge. I agree. I agree. Yeah, we have to be, what's the best way? How, how do we, I suppose with the fair factor of the people that are going through this thing, because even in the houses, like when there's fair there, what's the best way? What's it from your experience and just dealing with people when they're living in fear? Fear. Well, the thing is with fear, right? Like, so fear is a future-based emotion, right? So like right here, right now, like we're good. All is good. Like, you know, you're in your house. I'm in mine. Like, you know, we're, we're both, you know, we, get, we have a roof over our head. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm comfortable, right? You, I'm having a great conversation with you and everything's good, right? The minute we step out of that and, like, start projecting what's going to happen next, you know, then, you know, then that's when, you know, that fear creeps in. This is a, a trick that I used for overthinking. And then, like, I, man, this is so, this works so well for overthinking and, and would work for fear as well because you know, overthinking is crazy the same thing it's just your mind just running a story that you're creating and then it basically it's like a tumbleweed or a snowball right it starts off small with like one like maybe semi fact that's probably not even a fact at all right then you put you start padding that story and next thing you know it's this huge thing you're like oh my god oh my, the world's gonna end the way to stop that is just if you can catch yourself thinking or overthinking or, or fear in that, in that fear moment, just ask yourself, is it true? Right. And the, and the, the thing is like most of the time you can like probably 90, 95% of the time you can say, no, it's not true. 
You know, even the things that we see in our in our lives are not, you know, it's only, you know, it's only from our perspective, right? We don't have all the facts about it. I got a good, an interesting story to highlight this point. My wife and I went, we live on the coast of Taiwan, like literally like live on a cliff and like the ocean is like, I can throw a golf ball into the Pacific Ocean. And so on the weekends, we go down, there's a little sports center that we go down to and we'll, uh, we got kayaks and paddle boards and stuff like that. So we'll go down there and play in the ocean. Well, a few, a few weeks ago, we go uh, kayak and we, we hadn't been out in a long time and we're just paddling right up the coast, just beautiful, having a beautiful paddle. And I look up in the distance and, and one of the cliffs, it looks like there was a hole in the cliff. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I was like, sweetheart, have you look, look at that. Is that like from a, cause it was uh, right around the time of rainy season. And I was like, wow, is that like a big landslide that just like carved out a big hole in that cliff? And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, that's huge. Like, you drive like a bus through that thing. And so we're paddling and paddling. We get closer and closer. And the closer we get, we're like, holy cow, that's, like, huge. I can't believe we've never seen that before. How did, like, how did we miss that? And then, like, right as almost where we got on it, we both looked at each other like, oh, my God, that's not a hole. It was a tree that was sitting on the cliff, right? But the sun was hitting it at a at a uh, at an angle that illuminated it, and it made it look like it was like there was a hole in this cliff. But it wasn't. It was just a tree. And so the thing is, like we had thought, you know, and we were like dead set on believing that there was a hole in this cliff. And then come to come to like when you know once we got on there, it was like no, you know, our mind was just not our mind, but our eyes were playing tricks on us, and everything. It was just an illusion. So. We get, but that's life we keep telling ourselves the story and it's like yeah. and even you know when you're talking to somebody it's like there's there's your side there's my side and there's the truth you know and we yeah, all exactly and, and like i know from a lot of people you know you have a thought process of something that happened in the past and you you discuss it with the family and everybody's got a different version and you're like what's the real truth it's so it's our mind plays a lot of tricks on us exactly so is your plan to because like i i think it's so important what you're doing because there's so much suffering going on and like you know are you able to kind of share what you're doing and get more people around the world doing is that your that you could actually uh, that people could learn it a kind of coaching system that you've others doing this to replicate it and kind of reach millions that is what i would like to see happen that is that is actually my plan to bring people. I like, I don't, I'm not big on like the whole certification program. Like, you know, Hey, you know, pay me this and like, I'll give you a gold star and you can go like, that's, I think that's BS, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, you know, cause like the stuff that, you know, the stuff that I learned from an individual, like, you know, I took that and then I, I, you know, I was not happy with what I had, you know, what with the results. So I took, it further and developed it further and like i you know my thing is to help other people take it further themselves right and you know and and use use what i've done as a foundation to help themselves further to help their family members to help their friends and uh yeah that's that's yeah i do see that happening excellent and like i say when there's alcohol you know <laughs> I've seen that's all through life. There's always, 
some family of someone you know there's it's so there's so many people but they all kind of hide it as well they don't want nobody mm. else to know it what's the best way of dealing when somebody's in the family's got it and sometimes they don't want the help or does it have to be them that basically decide yeah i can do it because a lot of the time you know the whole family unit is breaking up because of this and you have to kind of mm-hmm. intervene what's your kind of thoughts on that yeah the thing is like you know it can be alcohol you know uh it can be drugs it can be food it can be work i mean you know work is socially acceptable right but work you know work crushes just as many marriages i'm sure as alcohol and drugs and stuff like that right so it's like you know pick your poison but um so we all like we all have something but like when you're like you have to make the decision that you know it's you know it's your time to to make a change right you've got to be ready to make a change you can't be like i was you know i had family members you know try to talk me into you know going to aa and doing this stuff like when i was drinking like in my heyday like at my highest point i was a, a case of beer a day like 24 Whoa. And that was Bud Light American beer, right? So it's like watered down. But anyway, and then at night I was drinking Jack Daniels to like to put myself to sleep. And I like I you could have told me like I and I had people like, dude, you're drinking too much. I'm like, ah, whatever, you know. It's not. But when you you've got you've got to make that decision. Nobody else can make it for you. So. I think that for a family member that uh, or a friend that's going through that, I mean, I think the best thing you can do is be be a friend to that person uh, and show compassion to for what they're going through. Don't I hate to say don't be careful uh, with judgment, you know, because you know they are the way they are, and you know, they're drinking the way they're drinking they're working the way they're working they're doing the th- whatever the thing that they're doing that's detrimental to their relationship with uh with you or the individual that's going through it you know they're doing that you know not because it's you know fun not because they're like well this is great i want to ruin my life you know no they there's their programs that they've you know that they're hanging on to that they've anchored that are causing them to do that you know consciously you know consciously i didn't want to run my you know, I didn't, my, my dad gave me the car 10 days before I wrecked it. You know, it wasn't anyway. So <laughs> I didn't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to wake up in the hospital room with like, you know, dozens of broken bones and like hundreds of stitches and staples, like littered on all over my body. I look like Frankenstein with my, with my clothes off. And then two years later, uh, I got hit by a car skateboarding. I was drunk. You know, the car ran over my leg and I almost lost my leg. Uh, I got a staph infection. I was on, uh, I was in a wheelchair for months. I was in, I had a needle going into my chest and went straight into my heart to take the, uh, because the antibiotics that I was on were so strong, it would have collapsed any like regular vein, right? I didn't want that, you know? I didn't ask for that. Consciously, I didn't want that. But, you know, that was what, you know, that was the, you know, the, the emotion that I programmed were leading me down that destructive path. And so, yeah, just compassion and, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, because mm-hmm. Amoni, Amoni's I love you, right? And, you know, I'm, we're basically healing with, with love and with compassion. I named it that because 
the first book I read when I started this journey was called Love Yourself Like Your uh, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It, I think. Yeah. And so I got this uh, sticky note and I put it on my uh, bathroom mirror at the time and it said, I love you. And I looked at it and after like a couple of weeks, I just tore it down because I hated looking at it. I was like, oh, I don't, I hate myself. And then once I, once I went through this work and I find, you know, I finally uncovered these emotions and I learned to love the person that I had become, you know, I was finally able to say, yes, man, I love you. So the, those three words are so, so powerful. And so, you know, I know when people are, you know, you know, people acting out against you and, you know, family members or friends or, or, or you know, spouses or whatever, you know, that it hurts, but, you know, do the best you can to you know understand to to try to understand you know that they're not doing it out of just you know meanness yeah i mean it's all true compassion because i mean who's mm-hmm. ever changed with somebody complaining at the end of the day it just makes it go further deeper if you're if you're if you're feeling pain and somebody just complains it doesn't bring you up it brings you down and unfortunately yeah, exactly. even though they're trying to do the best for the person because they want them to change they just don't do it in the right way and like you're, you're dead right it's true compassion that you, that yeah. you do yeah just like empathy you know that's really huge just understanding you know it's not you know it's not it's not hurt you you know that nobody's you know, it's just it's, it's the way we're, we're programmed and you know going through you know having that empathy having that compassion will help you you know help you as an individual grow as well so it's funny because like you know, I think like in that situation, you know, look at what you can do for yourself to make yourself a better person. Don't try to change that person because, you know, we can't heal others until we first heal ourselves. Right. And so by us becoming the change that we want to see in other people, we sometimes effortlessly affect them. And like, it's like, that's happened to the, in all the you know, relationship that I surround myself with. Right. I mean, I now have, you know, completely different relationships with people that I you know, never had anything to do with uh, years ago. And it's just because I personally have changed. And it's just kind of finally is on the breath work. What kind of breath work were you doing? And do you still, do you have a process as well for now to just kind of stay in flow? Yeah, I do. I do. I do the work that I do now probably once a week just for clearing, like clearing any residual, like any emotions that I've been going through, uh, that I've been experiencing during the week um, because I've got all the root stuff. I've got like, um, I've got all that cleared out and it's more like, it's more like housekeeping now. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you're going to lose weight, you know, you can't just eat one meal, right? One healthy meal. If you can't, you want to, if you want a nice body, you can't go to the gym once, right? It's, it's got to be routine, right? You've got to, got to, got to keep it up and, and stay on top of it. So I do that. And breath work for me is like really, really important. That's something I do almost every day. I'll do like the, I'll do some Wim Hof breathing to help, to really help beat, boost my immune system. And then towards the at the end of my uh, at the end of my Wim Hof uh, sessions, I'll do some push-ups, and then I'll sit back up and I'll do some meditation, starting with the the Amo breath um, that I told you about. So that Amo, 
the ama breath is a it's a three-part breath so ama in spanish means i love right so it's a m o so with a with the a part of the ama breath it's a ah so we're we're visualizing light coming down from from above down to our crown down to our throat and into into our chest right and then ah it's almost like a, the om sound from uh you know from uh the universal sound the meditation sound and so we imagine that light coming down and as uh, as we do that we're connecting with the emotions that we that we when i'm doing the coursework we imagine the emotions that uh, we connected with um swirling into the heart center and that part comes with the mm, so with the m so it's um and that's the humming part, right? That's the step that stimulates the vagus nerve. And with that humming, we're imagining that light that we pulled, pulled in like swirling clockwise in our chest. And it does pulling those emotions that we connect with. And with the O, the third part of the breath, we're like, oh, and we're imagining that uh, energy, uh, all of that collective energy being expelled out of our chest. In the 80s, there was this uh, cartoon called the Care Bears. And they were like, they were sitting there and like shoot like love or whatever out of their chest when they were fighting the enemy so it's kind of kind of cheesy <laughs> and like with with the ohm because i heard of with the polar shifts or whatever i mean that that no longer works and i've heard of am is better so like uh-huh. have you heard yeah you know but i i think we just kind of know ourselves because when you do something and it works you, you just know you just feel yeah it. exactly I did not know the whole polar shifting and arm thing. No, this is exactly what you said. Like as I was doing, as I was going deeper with this work before I, before this, uh, the Amo breath kind of came into my consciousness. The, one of the biggest emotions that, uh, that I was experiencing as I was releasing these uh, old traumatic wounds was anxiety. And man, the anxiety we would riddle me. I mean, just like, Oh, you know, I was almost, uh, one of those classic examples of like somebody with a paper bag, just like, <laughs> you know, I didn't want that bad, but it was, it was pretty bad. And so, and that's where, yeah, I was doing it one day and I was like, cause my wife had been through like a Reiki course before, before I went through this, uh, through this work. And so she was helping me every once in a while. I was like, I, I need some help. And she would you know, put her hands on me um, and you know, help me calm down with uh, using Reiki. And I was like, and I, I, I love my wife, but I, I just, I like doing things on my own, you know? And I don't want to buy, like, every time I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like, ah, you know, I don't want to bother you. Like, I, I want to take care of it myself. And so, yeah, I was, as I was doing this work, I, uh, it was just one of those things, like, things just started piling in and adding up. And I was like, huh. And then I started doing it. I was like, whoa, this works, man. Holy cow. And Anxiety gone. Excellent, excellent. Listen, both thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know you're helping people, and at the end of the day, I hope that you know you're able to actually teach more to do this because the ripple effect and just yeah, I think even people just listening to the conversation, just different things to try as well, because everyone has their own little journey. And yeah, of course. And you know, because we've touched on a lot of different things that it's worth trying. I mean, even the bread work, all different things, and you know, just give forgiveness for yourself as well. Because yeah, why beat beat yourself up of something that you've done in the past? It's done. You can't. Mm. We don't have a, a time clock. Yeah, go back and change that. 
You know, there's no point in beating yourself up. It is what it is, but you can be a mm. new person tomorrow. You don't have to be the mm. same person you were yesterday. True, true. Yeah, the thing is like beating yourself up, you know, that's that's you know, that's just a, that's part of the program too, right? You know, we we hanging on to, you know, hanging on to the past and you know, by doing this work, you know, we can let go of those past things, but you know, that's one of the reasons I don't I I, I try not to say don't do this or don't do that because that those are like those are instructions that i that i that we read right and and as we're learning to get better and we're learning to master our own selves it's like do this or don't do this right but and then if you don't do it or you do do it you feel like a loser right You're like oh man like so-and-so said don't do this but i did it it's like why am i doing that and the thing is, like, the reason you're doing that and the reason you don't know, like, how to stop is because that's it's one of that's one of the programs, right? That's something that you've got to let go. And by connecting with that stuff, then we can, you know, then we can move forward without being hung up on, like, you know, being hung up on that on that thing. No, so it's very important what you just said, because that's what happens. You know, like you're trying to improve and then you start beating yourself up because whether it's yeah. eating or drinking and you just have a you know you just have a bad day or whatever you don't want to be because then by beating yourself up your emotions go down the, the vibrations go down and then you go back into the cycle <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah no love it love it listen both thoroughly enjoyed our conversation you might let people know how they can get in contact with you yeah uh, definitely check out the website it's um almoneclear.com um also if like the breath uh, work resonated with you check out my youtube channel the amo breath is uh is on my youtube channel so you can check that video out and like you know watch it and figure out how to do it on yourself uh, um i'd recommend doing it before like a meditation it'll like totally chill you out and like make it just really uh give you and it makes you feel this fills you literally with love so that's it and thanks Roy. Yeah, perfect. I'll make sure I put it in the audio on the video. Thank you very much. That's all for the Awakening Podcast. You can find all our episodes on awakeningpodcast.org, as mentioned from BitChute, and all about me and my other podcasts and my coaching, you'll find on bio.link forward slash podcast. Until next week, take care.